This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the channel for another special. Thank you for all the brilliant comments about the um, Sheffield United show um, last week and we are going into championship finances today, which is a complete total minefield. Um, I've been following this bloke on Twitter for ages. I'm sure most people watching this channel will either already follow him or probably will want to follow him. Um, please welcome uh, Mr. Kieran Maguire on Twitter as Price of Football, author of priceoffootball.com, lecturer in football at Uni of Liverpool. How are you doing, sir? I'm I'm doing very well. Doing very well. Life is uh, life is busy. We've got lots of uh, lots of clubs announcing lots of financial information in the last week, which uh, keep, keeps me on my toes. Um, and, and every day that I feel my jaw can't drop any further, <laughs> a new club with a new set of absolutely clown-like numbers comes and takes that hold my beer moment and, and trumps each other. Um, does it work like normal business where it's um, so if I put my tax return in, um, I'm doing it for um, like two financials. So does it all is, is it about now that it comes out or is April your big D-Day? No, no, it's it's around about now. Under without wanting to turn this into a lecture, under UK company law, if you are a company, you've you've got to send in your accounts within nine months. So most clubs have a have a year end which coincides with the end of the season. So it'll be the thirty first of May or the thirtieth of June, which means that it all starts flooding in at the end of February towards the end of March. Uh, so we, we've now got 17 clubs from the championship who've submitted details. And this is details for last season. That's right. So it's so 27-18. So, you know, Wolves and Cardiff and Fulham were promoted. Sunderland went down and, and, and so on. So it's, it's so when people look at some of the stuff I put out, they say, well, hold on. You've got Cardiff down in the championship. But actually, they're now in the Premier League. It says, well, hey, I, I don't know. What, I don't know how, what their sales are for. June 2019, neither do they and neither do you. So all, all we can do is base it on historic information. So there's always a bit of lag, but you know that's a standard for everything, really, in terms of uh, data and information. You, you, you're never ahead of the curve. And even an expert, you're still saying your jaw's hitting the floor and you're surprised by this stuff when it comes out. Well, well, yeah, because we, we're supposed to be living in, in a world of um, the, the pompously named profitability and sustainability rules of the EFL, which are there to to cut down on overspending and to try to encourage clubs to break even. But as we've seen in the last few days, you know, Villa, Villa announced losses this morning. I think it was about 59 million. Um, even Little Reading, you think, oh, yeah, Reading, they're, they're, they're a pretty inoffensive club. They're, they're not doing anything daft. They'll, be, they'll come out with something sensible. They lost 750 grand a week in, in 2018. And you're going, well, they finished 20th. 
Yeah, I, I can understand if if Wolves lose lose a load of money because they got promoted, and you look at the the quality of the players that they signed and the quality of the football that they played, and you say, well, if they go up, they'll they, you know there'll be lots of promotion bonuses and so on. So you expect to see money going out the door, but but not Reading or or Birmingham or or some of these other clubs who are just racking up ridiculous amounts of money, uh, and uh, every year when you think it's not going to be as bad as last year. No, they trump it every year. Oh my god, my head is literally exploding, Kieran. Right, I've got a load of stuff set up to ask you. Can you just give a quick plug for the website and um, the your Twitter and just a little brief? How the hell do you become a lecturer in football finance? Um, well, I, I I was asked to contribute to a a website called Price of Football by by a guy I know. I'm I'm, I'm a Brighton fan. He's a fellow Brighton fan. He says I'm thinking of setting this up. Um, I know you know a few things about numbers. Will you contribute? And and I assumed that there'd be other contributors on other contributors too. And then it was just left to me. So so what happens is that that when I get a little bit of spare time, I am quite prolific tweeting normally. Um, and I clearly I've got a day job as well. I've got a little bit of spare time. What I'll do, I'll I'll write up a, a full analysis of of a club, um, compare it to the other clubs in the division. Um, and I, I normally, because I get bored very easily and I'm extremely childish, um, <laughs> I, I will write something rude involving the first letter of each sentence. So if you, if you look at our recent review of Middlesbrough's finances, it, it all looks like it's been prepared by a professional. But take the first letter of each sentence and it spells Tony Pulis as ginger pubes. <laughs> And, and did, so, did someone in in um, the Daily Mail get fired for like writing Richard Desmond is something in one of, like the day. To... <laughs> yeah, amazing, um, brilliant stuff. Right, um, it's 2019 now. Is it actually possible for average Joe Blogs football fan like me to follow the game purely on the pitch with no? any kind of knowledge of what's going on as in the finances of the two teams that are playing on the pitch does a football fan now need to understand when I don't know Manchester City are playing club x or Wolves last season are playing club x is actually possible to watch without that part of the narrative now or do you need to have some kind of cursory knowledge of the finances I don't think it's a necessity but I think at your back at back of your mind um if if wolves come into town, you look at, you look at the you look at the squad, you look at the manager, and you think well, those players they they look quite tasty. Um, you know where did they come from? And given the nature of it takes half a second to Google something, you find well he signed such and such a player for twenty million, another for twenty five, and you look at the manager and you look at his history, and you say well that must have cost the club a load of money. So the trouble is we we. As, as football fans, I think we're, we're naturally inquisitive about all aspects of the game. You know, when, I, when I go to Sainsbury's, I, I couldn't give a hoot how much money they make. You know, I, I don't care how much the, the chief executive earns, but with football, it's tribal. It's football's different. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm presuming you're the same as me. I wake up in the morning. First thing I think about is football. Go to bed at night. The last thing I'm thinking about is who have we got on Saturday? I hope nobody's got injured in training. You know, have our have our opposing team played midweek? If so, have, has their star player broken his leg? And, and therefore, the, the the financial part of that creeps in. You don't really, you're not particularly interested in it, but. 
if you say, well, you know, if, if I'm if I'm a Villa fan, I'm hoping that Birmingham are going to be fined 12 points for breaches of FFP. And if I'm a Blues fan, I'm going, well, hold on, you know, Villa is spending money like it's going out of fashion. And look at what Tony 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 Z did last year in terms of nearly liquidating the club. So it it, it can be used as part of the battleground that we have within football. Um, you know, and and that doesn't matter what division you're in. Uh, you know, I, I live in Manchester, so you, you've got. You've got the city fans accusing you know, United of being run by a Cayman Islands secret society, uh, you know, and they, their owners in Florida. And of course, the United fans are firing back that City's success has been bought by petrodollars and countries with uh, dubious, uh, dubious ethics and human rights regards. So it, it's just used as part of the usual knockabout routine that we know as football. Um, and there's nowhere worse than this, actually, than Glasgow. Uh, I've made the mistake on going on some uh, radio shows in, in Scotland and, and have said things about the two big clubs. I've, I, I hate both of them. You know, I can't, I think, yeah, you know, <laughs> I've got no, no love for either club. I'd love it if Aberdeen or Kilmarnock or one simply just to break this tedious monotony. But each, each set of fans is convinced that I support the opponents, um, which, yes. which I guess is, the, so I must be doing something right. There you go. I've, I've been a, I've been accused of being an Orange fan, um, despite the fact I'm the most died in the wall Ipswich fan you'll get. But there you go. Also, um, I, when Ipswich signed um, Waghorn, I did a video then and my God, you know, you know, I'm used to this many replies, and you you don't realise what a big deal Rangers and oh, Celtic, yeah, yeah Rangers yeah, and Celtic. They... Is. Um, so we're here to talk about the championship. Um, I yep. always liken it to the Grand National. You know, like every other horse race is a sensible distance over sensible um, size fences, and this one's twice the length of anything else. With you know, with the, the fences double as high. Um, in layman's terms, am I right in saying? that the two major factors distorting um, this playing field is the proximity to Premier League TV money and parachute payments. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, Premier League TV money, it's the, uh, it's, it's the gold at the end of the rainbow. And, and we know with a normal rainbow, there is no gold. So therefore, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a nice fairy story. When it comes to the Premier League, for three teams in the championship – that gold is 180 million pounds and you've got a three in 24 chance of getting hold of that gold. So, so if I was to say to you, you know, but if, how much are you prepared to pay for a lottery ticket? You say, well, oh, yeah, I don't mind spending a quid or a couple of quid. Yeah, I'm not going to win. It's not, it's not worth more than that. If I said to you, I've got a chance of giving you 180 million pounds. I've got this ticket and this ticket's called ownership of a, of a championship football club. How much would you prepare me? How much would you pay me for that ticket if you had a one in eight chance of winning the jackpot? And then the owners think, oh, blimey, well, I, I don't mind. You know, I don't mind losing 10 or 20 million quid in a year because I could get so much more back if we get promoted. So they go absolutely nuts and, and, and they and they just they do things with the ownership of a football club, which which they wouldn't do in their day-to-day -day lives. They wouldn't do in the home lives. They wouldn't do in the day-to-day -day businesses because they they just get skewed by the odds. They, and football is very, very, seduct very, very seductive industry. So that's, that's the first thing. In terms of the parachute payments, um, you, you likened it to, to the Grand National. Um, 
I would say it's a bit like a handicap race. And if you right. start a yeah, handicap where you are 40 million pounds ahead of the next person, yeah, that's effectively, you know, that's a quarter of a lap. So, so th- if there is a distortion caused by parachute payments. In, in my opinion, they are a necessary evil because mm, if clubs came down from the Premier League, if you've got players who you've signed the previous season on a three or four, five year contract, you're paying him 40 or 50 grand a week, you you get relegated and you go from earning 120 million pounds a year in TV money to seven. The, you, if, if, if that was the case and there were no parachute payments, all the clubs that got relegated would go into administration. And, and I don't think that's in anybody's interests. And um, people watching would kill me if I didn't ask, why, why can a contract or a business plan not be written to cope with the shortfall without parachute payments? Is that, is that financially impossible? No, no, it, it, it is possible. Um, and, and I'm quite fortunate that I, I do speak to people in the game and I occasionally chat to chief executives and finance directors who, who run clubs. Uh, so that, that's an issue which is discussed. And they say, well, well, for some of our players, that, that's fine. You know, we, we will give them a contract and they will say in the instance of relegation, um, it's a 50% pay cut. Uh, but even so, the, the, the average salary in the Premier League is, is 50 grand a week. If you if you if you reduce it to half, it's still 25 grand a week. You multiply that by you know, a squad of 25, 30 players, and all of a sudden you, you've got a huge amount of money going out. But there's there's a further issue. If you want your club to push on, you want to sign decent players. So the trouble is, you're in negotiations for this new centre forward. He's you know, he's a remaining international. He's played a few times for for PSV or a decent side in Spain or wherever it's from, and um, he says, you know, I want, I want 45 grand a week. Um, and I'm not prepared to take more than a five grand a week relegation clause. And you're thinking, well, he can get us 15 goals a season. And if he does give us that 15 goals a season, we're going to stay up in the premier league. And that's worth another 120 million quid in next year. So you take the gamble. So yeah, it, it can be done, but again, it's the seduction factor. You want to play in the premier league if you own a football club, yeah, that's perfectly understandable for for two reasons: a, that there is the glamour factor, no doubt, um, and b, in the Premier League, you're, you're not losing an average of you know two hundred, three hundred grand a week, wow. uh, which is coming out of your pocket. So, so therefore, you you take that gamble, and if it doesn't come off, then you, at least you do have those parachute payments, which which allow you to deal with these legacy players. You know that you, it might take you. It might take you 12 months to get him off the books, but at least during that period, you do have enough money coming in, which will allow you to, to pay his wages and the club doesn't go bust. Um, can we just go a little bit deeper on parachute payments? Um, when when did they start um, and what's their impact on the teams that don't get them? Right. I can't remember. I can't remember the year they started. I think they were fairly early on in the uh, in the in the existence of the Premier League. Really? But, I mean, were they just much smaller? That, yeah. They're, they're, but the, the differences in those days were were tiny. In in the first year of the Premier League, the uh, I think the total revenue of all 22 clubs and and people forget it used to be a 22 club division uh, was 197 million. <laughs> that, that's less than Leicester made uh, last season. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely crazy how much it's grown. So the, in the, in the early years, there wasn't a big difference. So therefore, yeah, the, the amounts, the difference between the Premier League and the Championship, it existed, but it wasn't the chasm that we have at present. Um, so it was, it, it was, it was simply a way of helping out those clubs, and it wasn't a big sum of money, so nobody really cared. Um, in terms of what was your second question was, what was the difference? Um... Let me just word it the same way. What's the impact on the teams that don't get them, though? Right. In in your first year of receiving a parachute payment, you will get around about um, 40 to 45 million pounds as a parachute payment from the Premier League. In year two, that drops to 34 million. And in year three, that drops to around about 14 or 15. That compares to the standard payout to a championship side who is not in receipt of seven million pounds a year. So we're talking you know, 35 million pounds in year one, 30 million pounds in year two, and about seven or eight in year three. So the total of that 70-odd million advantage Seven, over the three Over years. the three years, yeah. And, and, we, and, and that's in a business where you know, the average income of a club in the championship that's not in receipt of parachute payments is around about 20 to 22 million. So it, it's, it's big bucks. Goodness me. Good. Um, so, so much to go on. Um, there's obviously a lot of interesting case studies. So... Um, Let's let's go through some of these clubs in in the championship. So I've just had a look, um, Kieran. The last nine clubs in receipt of parachute payments were uh, Swansea, Stoke, West Brom last year, Hull, Borough, and Sunderland um, the year before, Newcastle, Norwich, and Villa the year before that. Um, yep. And they do fit into some quite nice little pigeonholes. So we, we, if we can do them in groups, um, absolutely. The two exceptions are fascinating because one's Newcastle and one's Sunderland and they've obviously split um they're the ones no longer with us what did Newcastle do right and Sunderland do wrong um well they they both had paradoxically they they started off by both having owners who wanted to get rid of the clubs in in the form of um Ellis Short and Mike Ashley but what Mike Ashley very quickly realised that if he sold Newcastle as a championship club, he might get, if he was lucky, £80 million for it. If he sells it in the Premier League, he could sell it for, his asking price presently is £325 million. So he said, right, I, I, I'm, I'm going to gamble. I'm, I'm going to break the bank in terms of um, spending money. And therefore, he he signed loads of players. You know, he he kept he he kept the majority of you know, decent players in his squad. Okay, he let Wijnaldum go, um, he let Sissoko go, but you know, he still he he signed Matt Ritchie from Bournemouth, and he did that by offering Matt Ritchie more money to play for Newcastle United in the Championship than Bournemouth were offering him to play in the Premier League. Yeah, you know, Matt Ritchie, decent, very decent player. Um, you know, he's, he's well thought of at Bournemouth and, and they offered him good money, but Newcastle just blew them out of the water. So Newcastle just said, right, we're going to spend whatever it takes to get ourselves back into the Premier League. And they did that and they lost a load of money in 2017 um, and their wage bill was off the scale. It's, it's the highest wage bill of all, in history in the championship. What, what was it, Kieran? 
Uh, I think it was around about 100 million. I, I will 100. find out that. Let, let me just very quickly. I was going to complain about Norwich's being 55 in 2016. Was it actually that high? Let me very quickly come up with my numbers here. I've got a big spreadsheet. Um, and I'll come back to you with that in just a second. Yeah, okay, no I'm problem. Just up some numbers. What, what about um, what about Sunderland in 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 the meantime, um, Kieran? Um, Sunderland's owner Ellis Short, um, he took the view. He, by this stage, he was bored <laughs> of football because he, he'd been running Sunderland for a number of years, and it was costing him literally every Monday. He was having to write out a check for two to three hundred thousand pounds a week and that's when they were in the premier league you know sunderland were managing to lose money in the premier league he had enough he he'd seen a therefore he turned around to martin bain i don't have you seen sunderland till i die well i'm an ipswich fan so i just watched it through my fingers like that because i saw exactly the same thing that was happened to us this season but yes go ahead well um eff- effectively he, he said to the the uh the chief executive at the start of the season, um, I want you to try to run this club and it not cost me 200 grand a week. Um, so you were left with that situation where you would, again, legacy players, you know, the, the infamous Jack Rodwell scenario where he was being paid 70,000 pounds a week. And you, you mentioned earlier, you know, can we put in relegation clauses into contracts when he was originally signed? Sunderland failed to do that. Um, and for whatever reason, his career went off the rails, but they still had a legal obligation to pay him. And, and there were there were lots of issues. Um, and Sunderland has been poorly run historically. If you look at the number of chief executives they've got through, if you look at the, the turnover of managers, there, there clearly is some something toxic at the club in terms of the culture. And the relegation into the championship just enhanced that. There, there was no sense of togetherness. And the club, therefore, just fell through that division. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what their results are. Um, you know, I, I do do occasionally ask Stuart Donald on Twitter, any chance of them coming out? And he, he, he's got more important things to deal with, I suspect. Um, and <laughs> I fully understand his They just dropped four million on a, on a striker um, two well, months that, back as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's, 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 and Sunderland have that money. Because remember, Sunderland are in this like, crazy year situation. Two of parachute payments. Year two yeah. payments. They've got £35 million of parachutes in a, in a division where the average income is £5 million pounds a year so it's so if they don't get promoted it it will be the biggest underachievement of all time wow um so the next three let's go with these um long-standing premier league clubs that came and they seem to be in quite differing positions here you've got west brom near the top who shifted out some players in the summer didn't spend big um, supplemented with loans in January. You've got Stoke, who raised more than West Brom, but um, I think what you used to describe Newcastle's similar-ish, and Stoke dropped a lot of money on players this summer. And then you've got Swansea, who really cashed out, had that horrible transfer window recently where Fur was going to go and James was going to go, and they seemed to ignore some bids at the end. Um what and then Hugh Jenkins leaves the next day after the transfer window. What are your feelings on those three long-standing um, Premier League clubs that have just come down into the league? It it all comes down from the owners. The, the owners effectively make the key decisions. So so if you take a look at Stoke, Stoke are owned by Bet Three Six Five. Now the amount of money that Bet Three Six Five makes is scary. You know, I think their total. 
the, the total takings they had last year, the total amount uh, put on Bet365 by punters was £50 billion. That's 10 times the amount that the Premier League as a whole generates. And that's just one betting company. So, so therefore... The the the, uh, the Coates family who own Bet365, um, I think I think it's is it Nigel Coates who is the chairman. He just said um, we, we want to go straight back up, so therefore we will bankroll the manager. Um, but there, there's two things that happens when when you're buying players: a you, you can afford to buy them, but b you know, they're spending money and they're spending it well are not the same thing. And Stoke City did not sign players who mentally were prepared for Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, going to Barnsley on a on a Tuesday night, on, and on the following, you know, on the following Saturday they got to go to Reading. They they just weren't prepared for that. You know, the 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 grind that you get in the Championship, and in my opinion, that the Championship best division in the world. Now, I absolutely loved it when my team were there. Um, so. Uh, but you need a certain type of mentality, and I think Stoke simply recruited poorly, rather than took took the took the, the foot off the gas in terms of, of what they played. I think West Brom have, have got it right. You know that they've kept the core of the team. You know that they've got goal scorers, and you need people who who are good goal scorers in that division. So they've got Gale, they've got Rodriguez. You know, they're, they're going to score goals. They're going to concede them as well. You know, so there's not particularly good defences in that division. As, as you know, I'm sure you, you've seen yourself, even even at Ipswich at the wrong end of the table, you, you're not you're not focusing on teams you think, well, you know, they're going to shut us out. Um, they're simply going to score more goals than you is, is the fear. So I think West Brom just geared themselves to score loads of goals and, and sort of a, a bit of a, the, the old Kevin Keegan kamikaze, <laughs> let's try to win 4-3 every match, which which makes for great football. Um, and, and that's come from they've got Chinese owners. Yeah, that they've they've been pretty good in in terms of backing Darren Moore. He's under no pressure to to do fire sales. When it comes to Swansea, they've got two American owners. Um, Hugh Jenkins made a huge amount of money when he sold his shares to those American owners. Um, the American owners have now got bored of Swansea. They've realized that actually it's it's not a license to print money. Um, the, the, the profits they made in the Premier League weren't as high as they anticipated. Now they're in the championship, uh, yet they can see the, the, uh, the parachute payments slowly draining away and, and they want to get out. So, that, so they've, they've said to... Yeah, a succession of 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 managers. Um, you've got to cut. You've got to cut costs. And, and what's the biggest cut cost for a football club? It's players. So get him off the wage bill. Get him out on loan. Get a transfer fee in for him, and we'll 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 be happy with 16th this season. So so that appears to be the, the mentality of those three clubs. It's it's a strategic decision made at board level or made at owner level, which then gets passed down to the likes of Hugh Jenkins or whoever the chief executive is. He then has to to then work in concert with the manager to to effectively to cut the cloth of the club accordingly um, in, in terms of what are you going to do with those parachute payments? In Stokes case, we're going to supplement them with uh with with money to make new signings in darren moore's case we'll let you spend what you've got which is still a fair amount and in in swansea's cases we're, we're not interested we're not prepared to subsidize the club whilst it's in the championship therefore get as much in money in as quickly as you can we could probably try to flog the club to you know, find some sucker who, who's prepared to take it off us 
Wow. And you used the same terminology there for Swansea's owners as you did for Sunderland's owners in the in the get board. So I'd I'd find that um a bit alarming if I was a Swansea fan. Um the next three, Kieran, I'm gonna call them the yo yo clubs, but don't get pissed off Hull Borough Norwich fans because this is a factual decision so Hull promoted in 2013 relegated in 2015 promoted in 2016 relegated in 2017 Borough uh, up in 2016 down in 2017 Norwich down in 2014 up in 2015 and down in 2016 Um, we know the parachute payments don't go the whole three years oh you'll explain the rule better than me in a minute um when I look at these, Kieran, I think you've got a beloved owner in at Borough, a hated owner at Hull, and Norwich seem to have, I don't want to say lucked out because I'll get the bias things, they seem to have made a switch the year after their parachutes ran out and everything has gone right and they're going to, looks like they're going to go up and get away with it. Um, talk to me about those three and just if you can touch on what's the ruling um, for teams that only go up for a season in terms of parachute. Yeah, what what's happened was that uh, if if you recall a few years ago, Blackpool were promoted to the Premier League, and what their owners did, they said, um, we, "We're not going to compete money-wise. Yeah, we'll, we'll give the money, we'll give the, we'll give Ollie uh, a, a bit of cash, but we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a wage limit of ten grand a week." Now, let's face it, for you, if somebody offered you or me ten grand a week, we'd be doing cartwheels. But by by Premier League standards, it it was a it was absolutely appalling. Um, so they they had a bit of team spirit. They were relatively unlucky to get relegated. You know, they they were still competing until the final day of the season. And when they came down, they didn't have a big wage bill to begin with. They were able to offset a few players and. Blackpool made money in the championship for, for for three seasons. And the rest of the Premier League looked at this and said, well, hold on. If anybody comes up, they, they could effectively take a bit of an air shot. Just say, we're, we're not going to try to compete. We're not going to make glamour signings. We're not going to increase, you know, I hate to use these words, the brand of the Premier League of sexy, glamorous foreign players who who cost a lot and, and who have to be paid a lot. They're just going to, you know, use the likes of Brett Ormrod and so on and so- solid, solid local players. And if they stay up, then fine. But if not, if the side goes down, it's it's going to make a fortune from the parachute payments um, in in subsequent years. So what the Premier League said is that if you come up via the championship and you only survive one season, in the Premier League, you're only entitled to two sets of parachute payments instead of three. Which two, Kieran? The first. It'll two. be the first two. It'll be the first two. So you get you get the you know the 42 and the 34th million, but you don't get anything in, in the third year. So as far as Middlesbrough are concerned, as you said, they they went up in uh, 2016 and they were relegated in 2017. So yes. therefore, they got. They got their full parachute payments last season. They'll get the 34 million this season. But if they fail to get promoted, they drop into the the the, uh, the, the EFL um, deal for next season, and they're, and they're on seven million. So they are in major squeaky bum time. You know, it's it's a big drop of income uh, if it doesn't work out, and you, you've got you've got players there on big money. Um, talk to me about how Norwich have um, adjusted because they came down in um, 20, 
2016 with what I thought was a big wage bill until you told me the Newcastle one. Um, obviously, there's the much publicised um, Matt Jarvis and uh, Stephen Naismith, uh, a few guys on honking great contracts. They've, I think they've managed to cut back. You're going to know the figures better than me and sold um, the Murphy twins and Madison. Um, so they'll be on their first year without. Um, talk to me about the Norwich model and how they've, they seem to have done it perfectly. Their uh, recruitment of young players and their development through their academy has been excellent. Um, so to a certain extent, they, they've had luck. So Norwich last season, their, their total income was 61 million their wage bill was 42. Yeah, that's that's still pretty high. Yeah, the average in the uh, the average in the championship is around about I think around about 27. So they're, yeah, they're pl- the wages are 50% more than average. What they have done extremely well is, is made a fortune from player sales. So so in 2018 they made 48 million pounds in profits from selling players. You know the likes of Madison, who who I saw him play for Leicester last week, and he is a fantastic talent. He's a great player. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even as an Ipswich fan, you're going to oh, look you, at him and say, hold your you hold up yeah, your hands yeah, exactly yeah. and say, well, you know, you don't see too many players of of that ability and that nature in, in your time. So just, just let him do what he does. Um, and they've also had some luck in terms of recruitment. You know, the guy that's scoring all the goals from this this season. You talk to to uh, any Celtic fans about when he was up there, and he, you know, he, he he couldn't he couldn't win a throw in, let alone score twenty goals a season in in a division which is quite easy to score goals when when you've got the the financial advantages that that Celtic do over the rest of rest of the teams um, in the SPFL. So sometimes you just luck out, and I think Norwich have done that this season. Um, Delia is not putting money in. Yeah, there's no money coming in from the owners. It's all having to be generated internally. They do have a good commercial department. Yeah, they do sell out every week, so their their match day income is at a reasonable level. Um, but but even so, if if they if, if they lasted, if they, if they don't go up this season, and it, yeah, it certainly looks like they will, then they're going to have to have a major retrenchment. Uh, I think in in 2019, 2020, because Everything changes when you lose lose your parachutes. Um, when their results come out next year, are you expecting to see another big drop off in their wage bill for this um, current season? Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the the only thing which might um, ensure that that doesn't take place is that they could have s- uh, s- significant promotion bonuses right. built into contracts. Um, certainly, looking at the accounts of of Newcastle, Huddersfield, and Brighton from 2017 when they were promoted they were paying out around about 10 to 12 million pounds a year in promotion bonuses wolves announced their results yesterday uh yeah there's talk of the promotion bonuses being 20 million i think that's over egging it a little bit but uh yeah th- th- we are we are talking most players will be on you know half a million pounds if they go up and yeah you know, that's that that's a nice start point for you know, that's that's going to pay for your summer holiday interesting um I think we need to deal with Villa on their own because they don't fit into any kind of category. So they're now in their third season um, in the championship. Huge spend in the first season. I think copying the Newcastle model that you said. 
playoff finalists last season, um, although they didn't lay a glove on Fulham in that final. Um, all sorts of ownership stuff in the summer, Kieran. FFP threats, and you talked about Dr. Tony earlier. Um, it looks like Villa gambled and they've got away with it, but they're, they're, they're not going up unless Jack Grealish plays every game like he played last week for the last 10 games and they win every game. Um, what happens next year if they're still down? Parachutes stop. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Um, then it's a big fire sale. If, if they don't go up this season, it's very difficult to see how Villa can survive in that division without getting their their big earners off, off the off the off the off the payroll um so so in 2018 as you say t- t- you know dr tony um you know, he, he's, he's great entertainment on twitter you know we we all, we all love having a laugh with him oh look he's engaging with the fans he goes around um, and gives them high fives i've seen him do that at the, at the ground although i did see mr chancery on monday night after the sheffield derby came out puffing hard on this cigarette looked like he'd had a very stressful um two hours so i think they're all quite entertaining these guys sorry um, continue yeah yeah and 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 he was great and he uh he he backed the manager so um in in 2017 this was when villa um are in their this villa are in the championship they spent 88 million quid on new players just absolutely insane and they had a wage bill of 61 million you're looking at that well you know the the club can't carry on like that forever Uh, and then the following season what he realized was it's now or never Hmm. you know i've I've got to go up this season so the wage bill went up by another 20 percent you know he's he's paying wages of 73 million pounds terry and snodgrass yeah that's right and and you've got so and what what villa did that they they took this they did to be fair, they took a short-term approach in just signing big big players on loan deals. So they didn't actually spend very much as far as player signings were concerned. I think it was less than two million. But of course, if you've got the likes of John Terry and Snodgrass on on mega salaries, and then they've also said to to other players um, who were perhaps thinking about leaving, here's another two-year deal on forty grand a week. And the player signs on the dotted line, so that the money is was flooding out of the club. Um, it's it's has been flooding out for under Tony's Tony Doctor Tony's regime from day one, 
initially my understanding he was flying across from hong kong with a suitcase full of cash and he was <laughs> that cash was being paid into villa's bank account and everything was hunky dory and all of a sudden where, where's tony this where's tony he's, he's not turned up this week with his with his with his uh, suitcase full of cash and all of a sudden the people realized actually he hasn't got any he's he's burned his way through all of his cash um and villa were in a very very precarious position how, how did they, they get how did they get out of it Kieran? um they managed to sell the club to new owners it was it was a panic sale and the the new owners these sort of, um I, I can never remember their names north south west east that's what i remember <laughs> nswe or whatever it is um they they came in and fair play to them they just allowed Villa's bills to be paid. I think HMRC and other creditors were circling around. There was a danger of the club being liquidated, not even going to administration, of everything being you know, flogged off. Um, they stuck in 65 million quid, uh, and you, you've got to give them credit for that. And I think this season, they, they again, they have backed both Dean Smith and uh, Steve Bruce in, in the loan market and by getting Jack Grealish to sign a new contract. Um, and... They've they've had a you know, a fairly decent go at it. You know, if you got you got Tammy Abraham's there on on a loan deal, there will be a loan fee to Chelsea, and he will be paid you know a considerable sum himself. But, so, but Kieran, it sounds like from what you're saying, the Grealish deal is just purely to ring fence the prize asset, and he they're going to have to sell if they if they don't go up. He won't be there in August, will he? Then, um, I I, I can't see him being there because looking at the the FFP calculations that i've done and other people have done um when when you're dropping out of the, the parachute payments you've got so much less money coming through the door how do you get your wage bill down from from 73 million quid uh, last season to realistically you need to get it down to 30 we, you need to get rid of all your biggest earners now a couple of those biggest earners will be on loans but you know, you know balassi was um tammy abrahams has been um, but all the same, there's still an awful lot of established first team squad there who who have been paid extremely well, um, and you'd expect to see them being encouraged to leave or, or out of, of their own free will, deciding to move on in terms of their career opportunities. Interesting, interesting. Um, that's all the recent parachute beneficiaries dealt with. Um, this next group, Kieran, I'm um, trying to be polite. I'm going to call the spenders. So these are teams who haven't had parachute payments, but are trying to stay competitive with those who have. So I'm lumping in here Leeds. Uh, please, if I've got any of this wrong, uh, let me know. I'm lumping in Leeds, Bristol City, Derby, Forest, and I'm going to throw Sheffield Wednesday in for past crimes of a couple of seasons ago. Um, some teams there, obviously, um, are going to be drawing big commercial sums, especially Leeds. Um... Some interesting owners, Mr. Marianakis and Chancery and Mel Morris. Um, how sustainable is this approach that these teams are taking and how legal is it in terms of the FFP? I'll just run through them again, Kieran. Leeds, Bristol City, Derby, Forest and Wednesday. OK, um, in terms of Leeds, Leeds run a really tight ship. I okay. I'd actually park those apart from the other clubs. Um, they... That they've they've got they've got a manager who's on a very good contract is my understanding but historically you know, under uh, who, who was was it Cellini who was their, their previous yes, owner yeah yeah he uh, 
he he wasn't a big payer. He he wasn't signing signing players. Remember, they sold Chris Wood for fifteen million pounds a couple of years ago. So actually, Leeds, from a financial point of view, have run a really tight operation and their losses by championship standards are pretty low and their wage bill by championship standards again that's that's relatively tight it's relatively low so um i, I would say to a certain extent they're they're pretty much a, a model about as much of a model club as you could hope to get wow. um for a big club in the championship you know, they they don't overspend um they they were only paying out 61 pounds in wages for every 100 pounds that was coming through the door if you contrast that to um reading who we were talking about earlier they're paying 197 pounds in wages for every 100 pounds through the door yeah, it's just we've, ha- we've out- one third of Leeds attendance coming through every week as well yeah Exactly, sheer sheer lunacy. So I think think we park leads to okay, one I side. I apologise to Leeds. No. I'm not the expert here. <laughs> um, if we take a look at Bristol City, uh, they they have an owner who is uh, a a very wealthy man. He also is he also likes rugby. So we've got the 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 rugby team and the football team in Bristol both being sponsored by Mr Hargreaves, um, and they. He he allows them to spend, but I don't think they're excessive. So okay. um, they they've they've spent significant sums by their own standards, but not necessarily huge by uh, by championship standards. So you know th- they're the type of club who could lose players to other championship teams because their prob- their their level of wage probably isn't that that significantly high. So I wouldn't wouldn't say that they're too bad. When it comes to Sheffield Wednesday, um, Mr. Chancery is a gambler. So he has he he tried to get Wednesday up over two seasons, and effectively what he said is, "I'm going to burn my way through my FFP spending in two years, and if that doesn't work, I'm going to put the brakes on in year three. And that's what we've seen with Wednesday this season. So. If, if you if you look at the squad, it's not particularly been enhanced. Um, in an ideal world, they would have liked to get rid of Forestieri, but but nobody is prepared to match the wages that that uh, that he's paid. Um, if you look to see what's happened with Jordan Rhodes, that they Jordan Rhodes was on extremely good money at Wednesday. Grand a week. Yeah. In and he was he was he was one that was jettisoned. They managed to get rid of him um, in year three as it were. So the gamble didn't work. So let's get rid of him. If, if they don't go up this season and you know that they're looking fairly remote, expect to see the likes of Barry Bannon and Forestieri. If somebody's willing to pay his wages and, and I'm not convinced that there are many people who are looking at him and saying, well, he's not exactly, he's not as young as he used to be. You know, you're going to get two or three red cards a season. He's uh, he's a bit sulky. It's, it's, it's quite a gamble. So I think that they are going to uh, find it tough next season. Um, there, there appears to be, and here I think the uh, the EFL do not help themselves. There is talk about Wednesday having what we refer to as a soft transfer embargo, whereby there's an agreement between the EFL and the club that you will not sign players. Or if you do sign players, you'll only pay them a maximum of 600 grand a year, which by championship standards 
is not great. It's not ter- it's not terrible, but it's it it, it put it, it puts a limit in terms of how you can compete, certainly at the upper end of the market. Um, but that's never been quite confirmed. It's always been hinted at, um, and I, I think if uh, I was under the impression Bolton had that um, last year, possibly, and did Birmingham. Uh, yeah, I mean, Birmingham, we'll come on to Birmingham, those two in a bit. Yeah, but. Birmingham did have that, and that was then confirmed. Um, and you know, Birmingham's potential 12-point fine is for, for breaches of that because they signed Pedersen for 2.4 million when they were told not to sign any players for fees. Wow. So, so, so that, that uh, decision, that's been, it was supposed to take place last week. There's supposed to be a committee hearing last week. That was then kicked down the, kicked down the road for another three or four weeks, um, which from, a, from an outsider's point of view, you know, do you want clubs having 12-point deductions being given to them in the third or fourth week of March? It completely screwed. It's, it's not fair on Birmingham City fans who are, who are getting themselves a little bit excited about prospects of getting, sneaking into the playoffs. It would then put them in within sort of within reach of, of the bottom six. And all of a sudden, you've, you've got a completely different mindset for the remainder of the season. Um, so that that's that's an awkward one. Um, what about Forest term- and Derby, um, Kieran, on these on these big big spenders? Because we've just seen uh, the uh, imagery for a new Peter Taylor stand at Forest last week, and um, Carvalho came in for loads of money and Graven. Um, what what about those two, Derby and Forest? Well, F- Forest have have lost quite a lot of money from trading. They they've managed to get rid of players. So they've managed to to make twenty five million pounds in the last two seasons. You know, Sombolonga went to Borough, so they, they they made fifteen million quid there. So whilst they have um, they've struggled a bit, I, I estimated that over the last three seasons their FFP loss was nineteen million pounds. You, you've got a limit of thirty nine. So actually, um, they're they're pretty much within okay. the the parameters as far as the the building of this Peter's Taylor stand is concerned. Um, FFP is, is, is a nerd's paradise. Um, and there is, there's certain expenditure, which you can have within a club. This is good expenditure, isn't it? Which is, which is good, good money spent. So yeah, yeah, if, if, if I'm, if you or me are overdrawn, um, you know, our bank manager doesn't give a hoot what we're spending the money (laughs) on. He says, don't spend it. The EFL will, however, say, if you are spending money on infrastructure, we'll ignore it for FFP purposes. So if they want to go and spend £40 million on a new stadium, fine. Okay. That, that will not hit them at all. And, of course, the benefits to them is that the capacity of the, the city ground goes from 30000 to 39000 They're going to have some more money coming in. They're going to have more hospitality boxes and things of that nature. So, so that could work very much for them and, and what we are seeing with clubs is that if they have ambitious owners and you've only got to look to see what's happened at Wolves um, you know they're hoping to go to 50,000 Spurs are going to 60,000 uh, you know I, I work in Liverpool I've seen what's happened at Anfield we've got Everton wanting to move to a new 50,000 plus football is expanding in terms of its appeal um, you know the, the year when I was growing up attendances were falling throughout yeah, when I was throughout my adolescence, because football was a little bit naughty in those days. You know, I, I don't want to get too Green Street with you, but it was, uh, you know, things were quite lively at matches and 
the, the demographics of those who att attended were completely different. You know, you, you didn't tend to get kids uh, to the same extent. You, you got, there were far fewer women attending matches. Um, and since then, the, the introduction of all-seater stadia, we've got the gentrification of the people that, that watch the game. And it's become increasingly popular. You know, there's the, the media love football and football loves the media. And there's a very positive promotion of from one side to the other. So... I think as as far as Forest are concerned, they're in a pretty safe situation. Uh, when it comes to Derby, um, I don't know whether you've seen the reports in the the Mail yesterday by was it Mike Lawton, um, what one of one of the Daily Mail's good journalists. You know, and th let's face it, there's lots of reasons to hate the Daily Mail, which <laughs> which we can park to one side. Um, some of their football journalists are very well informed. Um, they've got very good connections with clubs. Um, and, and the report that came out yesterday was that Mel Morris was was looking to sell Derby because it was costing him three million pounds a, a month in, in, in losses. And, and he'd had enough. So Derby are Derby really needs to go up. You know, they they are in a much. Uh, a much tighter position financially than Forest, so um, you know they're they're presently as it I think they're equal on points with Bristol City for that yeah. that final playoff place. So it's a lot tighter for Derby. They get good attendances, but th the trouble is, um, I think fans think well, yeah, there's there's twenty eight, twenty nine thousand of us turning up week in week week out. Um, the club should be okay financially. But then you need to take a step back and think about if you go to Tesco's, Tesco's is open 364 days a year, 24 hours a day. You know, my local Tesco, it's a 24-7. Then you go to Derby County or any other football ground in, in, the, in the championship. How often is it open? 23 days a year for two hours. That's how <laughs> it makes its money. Put it like that, isn't it? Yeah. And all of a sudden, actually... Football is not a big business in terms of um, match day income. It, it, it's far less than fans think. And therefore, the clubs are actually, they become reliant on other sources of income. So, so Derby, um, last season, their, their, their match day income was, was £8 million. Their wage bill was forty. So, for every, so even every... for a Leeds or a, a Villa, who I would assume have the highest match day incomes, um, it's still not going to give you a huge advantage over everybody else. No, no, no. Um, interesting. I mean, some crumbs for comfort though, because um, a, a few of those you were able to debunk, you know, and say, look, they're no, they're running all right, and they can afford to do what they're doing. Um, I've, I've called the next three, Kieran, the worry cases. Um, so, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I've got QPR, and I don't know if this FFP fine is still deferred, this huge thing that was agreed last year. Birmingham, you've kind of mentioned, and then Bolton just looks um, dire, doesn't it? Um, have I got... Am I right to be lumping QPR and Birmingham in, in, in the worry box? Um, I, d I don't think QPR are a problem, this this forty two million fine that's a myth. Really? Yeah. It, it's what what has happened is that it's actually a seventeen million pound fine which won't be paid until thirteen years. You know, it's, it's being spread effectively over thirteen years since QPR committed the misdemeanor. So 
it's a, it's you know, a million, a million and a half a year in, in effect. And if you think that when QPR were promoted, they got the benefit of one year in the Premier League and three years of parachute payments. So they got a financial boost of 180 million. Now, the other part of the settlement was was a three, three million pounds to pay the EFL's legal bill. Well, if my, I've got no sympathy for QPR whatsoever. They knew exactly what they were doing. I, you know, anybody, anybody with half a brain could see what they were trying to do in, in massaging numbers and claiming X was Y and so on. Um, so if they had simply said to the EFL, yeah, okay, we've done wrong. We'll pay the fine straight away and not dragged it out, then they wouldn't have had to go and pay those that the EFL's legal costs. And you can only assume that QPR's own legal costs are going to be another two or three million on top. No sympathy for that. They they try they tried brinkmanship um and, and they tried to get as far as they could. The the other twenty million pounds of the settlement, or twenty two million, um it, it's it's actually it's it's just it's just a complete myth. What happens is that the QPR owners lent QPR, 20, yeah, they lent them 20 million quid. They never had any chance of getting that money back. So it's, yeah, it's a bit like when I get, you know, when, when my son comes to me and says, Dad, can you lend me 20 quid? I'm going out to a gig tonight. And I go, yeah, okay, lad. Um, and I know I'm never going to get that money back. So it was exactly the same situation as that, as far as the QPR is concerned. The club is losing money. The club has lost money every single season for the last few years. So therefore, you give that money in, you call it a loan, but it's not a loan. And what the EFL said, well, we want you to to change that into into shares. Right. Kieran's answered the door and got his wife's Amazon <laughs> package or whatever it was. <laughs> um, where were we? Middle of QPR, about to go on to Bolton, I think. Yeah. As far as QPR is concerned, they had a £20 million loan, which they couldn't repay. And the EFL said, we want you to say that that is is shares, which you can't sell. Or if you do share, sell, they're going to be worthless. So what, what's happened is QPR's owners have swapped one worthless piece of paper for another worthless <laughs> piece of paper. So they're not, they're not worse off. The club's not worse off. The club isn't going to have to pay out any cash. So to call this a settlement, it's, it's just sleight of hand. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's accounting dark arts. We, we are entering the Harry Potter world of football <laughs> finance here um, and t- take it with a large pinch of salt. So, it, so in my view, QPR, they've got a £180 million benefit of going getting promoted through abusing FFP rules. You know, that they paid their players ridiculous wages compared to the rest of the division in that season and they, they reaped the rewards of that. Um and it's cost them seventeen million pounds over thirteen to fourteen years. Mm, that's not that's not too um, much that doesn't sound too bad, does just it? Just really really quickly, this one hundred and eighty million you um keep referring to, does that include the residuals, the parachute payments afterwards? Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. So so effectively it's it's a hundred million if you go up in terms of extra T V money and then you've got your forty, your thirty and your ten got it. in terms of in terms of your three years worth of parachutes. Um the, what's what's gonna happen at Bolton, Kieran? Um but Bolton I, I am terrified about. Uh speaking you know I, I live relatively local I've got mates who are Bolton fans um I, th- I think it's fair to say that the the owner has has been 
um, not particularly transparent uh, in his 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 outputs uh, in his uh, his communications with the fans. It looks as if some bills are being paid, other bills are not being paid. Some players are being paid, and and, and yesterday things really took a turn for the worse where where the training ground was closed because there was no food there there was no medical supplies um the police have not been paid so the police might decide to withdraw their support for matches in which case the matches aren't going to take place so so we are we are really staring at the abyss um and and the real tragedy is is that Bolton used to have an owner in the form of Eddie Davis, who he just he gave his life to the club. He, he gave his gave his life's money to the club. You know, just before uh, before when he when he sold the club, he wrote off 175 million pounds of debt. On his deathbed, he loaned the club five million pounds to allow it to survive, to to ensure it didn't go into administration. And the new owners don't want to say what their motives are, but they don't appear to be. Just they don't appear to be um, in the best interests of uh, the long-term future of Bolton Wanderers Football Club, and and it's it's a tragedy what's happening. And you know, for, for everybody's sake, you know, it doesn't matter which team you support. You know, even even as, as an Ipswich fan, you hate Norwich, but you but in order to have a rivalry, you need to have a rival, and you don't want to see that happen to anybody. Because you know, I'm, I'm a Brighton fan. I hate Crystal Palace. You know, 20% of my mates are Palace fans because, yeah, we all grew up together and, and so on. And, for you know, for 90 minutes of the year, twice a season, you hate each other's guts. And then if you're a grown up, you go down the <laughs> pub and you discuss exactly what's just happened in the match. And ultimately, it's it's friendship and partnerships and all of those things that matter. Rivalry should be no more than that. So there should be nobody gloating over the future of Bolton Wanderers because we're all bricks in the same wall and you take one brick out of that wall and the whole thing becomes weaker. Hmm, interesting. Um, we'll save the good news stories right to the end. Um, so this is my second last category. Don't worry. Um, I've called this low turnover, low achievers. Okay. Um, so this is six clubs, 17 from below, seemingly just not prepared to try and compete. They're just not going to do it. Um, they don't want to bust themselves. So I've got here Blackburn. I know Blackburn dropped. 7 million on Brereton, so I'll get your thoughts on that. Wigan, Millwall, Reading, who you have mentioned, Rotherham, who I'd be really fascinated to know how little Rotherham spend, and my team, Ipswich. So is there anything these clubs can actually do to compete, or is this actually the most sensible thing to do, to say, look, well, we're not going to run ourselves into the ground, and if that means we end up as a League One club, we end up as a League One club. Um... What are your thoughts? I'll just say them again. Blackburn, Wigan, Millwall, Reading, Rotherham, Ipswich. Right. In terms of Blackburn, the, the behaviour of the Venkies has been bizarre from the day that they acquired the club. Um, you would think that they would have done proper due diligence and found out that clubs could be relegated. They weren't aware <laughs> that you could get relegated from the Premier League. So they did all of their sums on the basis of a continued existence within the Premier League. Um, they they have shored up the club. They, they have been prepared to spend money on occasions to, to support a push for um, promotion. So I, I think Blackburn, they're, they're certainly secure. They, they've got limited ambition. But what I would say is, is certainly in the case of, I would say, Blackburn 
and and also it, your your club Ipswich is that you you are losing a lot of money each week, even though the fans don't appreciate it. Um, the manager at the start of the season is is given a brief by the owner, brief by the chief executive, and that's keep us in this division because it is a big difference between seven million pounds of TV money and one million pounds of TV money. Um, and certainly, I, when I saw the the, the real aggression and hostility towards Mick McCarthy last season from a section of the Ipswich fan base that that confused me because Mick McCarthy was doing exactly what he was told to do by by Marcus Evans which was get to 18th anything above that is is, is an achievement um and so you know I, I I can't comment on the style of football and the quality of the football but he he wasn't given money to to buy players in the, in the transfer market, if, if you look at Ipswich's spending in in the last you know, five years of Mick McCarthy, 2013, 1.9 million, 2014, 100,000, 2015, 100,000 quid, 2016, 400,000 pounds. Now you're competing with clubs that have just come down from the well, Premier the 88 League. Million that you mentioned for Villa is the 88 there million for Villa in one season. Yeah. And then you say, well, well, we're losing to Villa, and and we you know, we we've got a bunch of workmen in the team. Well, if 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 you if you've got a one hundred thousand pound a year transfer mark budget, then you're not going to sign Messi. You're not going to sign um, can you, anybody. Can you, you're not going to sign Matt Ritchie, even, are you? Can you speak directly to Ipswich fans? Is there an argument from a financial point of view that Marcus Evans is a good owner? Um. Without Marcus Evans, uh, Ipswich would be in League One or League Two. So, what what fans are are looking for in an owner? They are not looking for an investor. They are looking for a sugar daddy. And there's a difference because um, an investor is actually looking for a return where you cannot get a return. Um, and you've got to be careful with sugar daddies. Because there's one thing that normally sugar daddies expect in return, and you know that's going to be quite unpleasant. So, so just but just be careful what you wish for, because uh, if, if you look at see what happened at Villa, Villa had a bad owner in in the minds of their fan base in Randy Lerner. Randy Lerner left Villa. It cost him 150 million quid, and then and then what they got? They got Doctor Tony. And Dr. Tony was funny. Dr. Tony was on Twitter. Dr. Tony was high-fiving people. Dr. Tony took Aston Villa Football Club to within two hours of going bust. Wow. So, yeah, by all means, say that Marcus Evans hasn't put enough money in. Actually, Ipswich Town Football Club owe Marcus Evans 95 million quid. He's not put in... Fifty million pounds in a year, but he he has subsidised the club. It's cost him eight to ten million pounds a year, um, and and if people are accusing him of this, that, and the other, this is still the guy. Every Monday morning, he's writing out a cheque for one hundred and eighty grand a week to keep that club afloat. Wow. So you just just you know, it's if people are going to abuse abuse others, just just take a look at actually what he is doing. I don't know Marcus Evans. I don't know the business. I've never had any meetings. I've got, as I'm a completely independent, 
all I can say is in you know in what I do in my job on a day-to-day basis, this this is an owner that just writes out that check, gets on with it. I think he's probably got poor communication skills. He doesn't present or market himself particularly well. And as a result of that, people who go to the match, you just lost 3-0 at home to to Reading, or you've just been turned over by Wolves or Villa, and, and you're angry. And therefore, it's we're in a world where finding a scapegoat is, is what people choose to do. Marcus Evans is not the worst thing that's ever happened to Ipswich Town Football Club. He's not even in the top 10 worst things. He's actually one of the better things that has happened to that club because without him, you would be unable to compete in that market whatsoever. And therefore, you would be bouncing between League One and the Championship um, every season. That you know, You'd be a bit like Millwall or Barnsley or a club of that nature. Um, wow. And... I can understand people, you know, Ipswich fans say, "Oh, we're bored. We've been in the we've been in uh, we've been in the championship for far too long." We'll be careful what you wish for. Interesting, interesting. Um, just talk to me quickly about Rotherham. Um, how how much do Rotherham actually spend? Uh, you know, with this ten thousand stadium and um, you know, just up just up this year to be, you know, going head to head with West Brom or um. Uh, stoke at the top there and um, they they spend buttons they they gear themselves um rotherham's wage bill six million quid and what did john terry make <laughs> john john terry made eight million from from villa last season <laughs> so it's it's just absurd when you when you talk about it in those terms isn't it yeah and uh Rotherham United, they, they, is it, uh, it's Paul Warren, isn't it? The manager yes, there, yeah. um, solid guy tries to coach his players. He, he, he's trying to nurture his play. He's, uh, I don't know whether you've ever heard him talk. He's, he's a fascinating bloke to listen to. Um, you know, he, he is trying to develop himself as as a leader and a mentor and rules to the way that he, he deals with players and how to maximize potential and productivity and things of this nature but ultimately you you know we, we, we spoke earlier about having things as a race if, if you're a club with parachute payments and you're you're, you're at a 400 meters race you're starting off 70 or 80 meters ahead of the rest of the pack if you're rotherham you're starting 80 meters behind wow. because you know the owners aren't putting in money you know, they simply say try and try and break even um, you know, that they they spent three hundred grand on players. Their 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 playing budget is is not dissimilar to to that of Ipswich, except they've got less money to pay out in wages as well. Interesting. Um, finally, sorry, you've been absolutely brilliant, Kieran. I've got my three heroes, and we'll see if you agree with the the three teams left. So if your team hasn't been mentioned, so I have got these labelled as low turnover, high achievers. Um, Preston. They're in 12th, recruit cheaply, not overpaying on wages. 11th, 11th and 7th since they've been up. I've got Brentford, um, 5th, 9th, 10th and 9th. Brilliant recruitment and sales there. And I've got Sheffield United, second season back, um, currently in third position. Um, have I got the right guys at the as, as my as my heroes in this, in this league? Yeah, she- Sheffield United especially. Chris Wilder. What a guy! I mean, if, if I want to support Sheffield United, every time <laughs> I see that guy, I go, 
wow, what a, what a yeah, you can tell how much the club means to him. He, he's a local lad, um, and he has done a, a superb job on on a tight budget. You know, he's, he's not built, he's not spent a fortune on players. Um, he's got in Billy Sharp, the centre forward that all clubs, all fans want to see playing for their club. Um, so yeah, I, I think they they bought really well. Um, yeah, they, they signed Oliver Norwood, who's who's been promoted in each of the last three seasons. He's he's a superb playmaker. You've got a solid back four. Um, yeah, I, I, they, they've done extremely well. You know, f- fair play to them and good luck to them. Um, Preston, I, I I fully understand what you say. You know, they are probably the most unassuming club in that division. They when 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 you write out your twenty four clubs, <laughs> they're the one you in, forget. They're yeah. the one that you go, oh, I've got the twenty two. Who have I forgot? <laughs> oh, it's Preston. Well, blimey, how did I forget them? It, you know, they're that club. Um, but even so, Preston find it tough in that division. Preston pay out £113 in wages for every £100 of money that they generate. So they also have an owner. And if you go onto the Preston forums, the the reaction of Preston fans, I think the guy is called Trevor Hemmings, their owner, the reaction of their fans strikes me as similar to the 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 attitude of many um, Ipswich fans towards Marcus Evans. He's not putting in enough money. He's not doing this. Yeah, lots of things that he's not doing. But every year, he sticks in six or seven million quid to keep the club afloat. So they've done, they have done really well. Um, they know that division very well. Yeah, they, they sold, they sold one player Hugo, last season yeah. uh, to, to West Ham. They got 10 million for him. That was a fantastic that deal. That was a from great their point deal because, you know, he's straight back down into the championship with both. Oh, yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, so fair play to them. And, and this season they appear to be doing the same, you know, they're bump, bumbling around top 10, you know, the, the wonderful thing about the championship I always used to think was you got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, win those three matches, nine points, yeah. nine points boom. Yeah. We're, we're, we're competing. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, they, they've done extremely well. And, and the third side that you've got in the form of Brentford, um, Dean Hoyle, the owner, he's he's a very interesting guy. He's uh, he used to work with uh, Brighton's owner Tony Bloom. Um, I think they, for some reason, they they decided to go their separate ways. Uh, the the Brentford model is is intriguing. They are geared to to selling players. So that and they're you know by by scrapping the academy. And effectively picking up the crumbs from the the, the other academies in London. I mean, they're ideally geographically located, but uh, but they they've, they've done their sums. They they t- they are taking sort of a money ball approach sorry, in certain. Sorry, just dive aspects. in. Sorry, Matthew Benham, Dean Hoyle is Huddersfield. Sorry, I sorry, just quickly yeah, Google sorry. it. Sorry, I'll get loads of comments. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Do apologise. Do apologise. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. Um, Huddersfield are another championship hero. Who who got got promoted, of course, mm. um, a couple of seasons ago. So yeah, Matthew Benham, um, what what he has done in terms of again investing in the club, having a modest budget. I mean, their their wage their wage bill less than fifteen million pounds a year, um, and they play attractive football. How long that that can carry on? You know, to a certain extent, 
with these clubs, you are fighting against gravity because if, if you are paying wages of 10 to 15 million pounds a year and everybody else is paying 20 to 25, you've got a bottom six budget. So therefore you start the season and you look around and you say, well, who else is in the bottom six with us? Um, but uh, but they have, they've, they've done, I agree with you entirely. I think those clubs are in, in many respects models for the rest of that division but but here's numbers which when you when you you look at that you go well how can that possibly work in in 2014 Brentford paid 224 pounds in wages for every 100 pounds through the door the following season 178 following season 166 in 2017 their best season 116 they still got no money to cut the grass they got no money to pay for the floodlights they are still relying on an owner to pay the bills and hopefully they'll make some money from player sales. And, you know, they, they lucked out with Scott Hogan when, when he went Mepo, to, uh, it'll be Ben Rama and Mopine next. You can still see the, the production yeah. line though, can't you? Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I like the model. I admire the model and, uh, you know, you know fair play to Matthew Benham. So I'd apologize to him to <laughs> for getting these things wrong. Uh, trying try, trying to monitor 92 clubs is oh, no. is, is tricky for us all. Um, um, yeah, I think they're all good. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant stuff, Kieran. You to have like insight for all 24 just at your fingers is incredible. Um, just really quickly, um, I don't know if you'll go with mine. Um, your your top three or your top five um, financial heroes in the championship. Um financial heroes the two new guys at villa because there wouldn't be an aston villa without them um i would say in, in terms of unsung heroes matthew benham um i would say the the guy at bristol city he's put in a fortune um i think marcus evans won't be in the top five but he'd probably be number six uh and it's the it's trevor hemmings at preston and have i covered is that five is that six um, it's, possibly it's, yeah 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 um uh, what, what what about the villains uh the villains ken anderson at bolton wanderers um what he has done is that he bought a club if he did not have the resources to run that club he should not have bought it um and what's been happening ever since has been um a disgrace uh and, and i just hope for for everybody at bolton that uh, that somehow they get through this and the sale takes place quickly and it's the sale is not delayed simply because somebody is trying to make a profit i won't name that person and he's bad dr tony um i think he was uh he was he was a charlatan uh and, and when the going got tough he just disappeared so he, he was a huge disappointment. Um, other than that, you've, you've got to admire the people who, who are running these, these clubs because they're, they're all doing it and it's costing them fortunes. You know, you, you've got Steve Gibson at, at Borough. It, it's, he's in for the best part of 200 million. That's it's his local 30 club. 30 years worth of spending as yeah. well, hasn't it? As, yeah. yeah so, so, you know, Annie... Especially if it's a local lad, you know, I, I always have got extra admiration for them because they know that that football club is not just a football club. It is it is a community asset. It is spiritually and emotionally owned and invested in 
by people. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I occasionally get to talk to to club executives and owners, and and you can tell from the conversations that the passion they have, and they know the difference that that a, that a victory makes on a Saturday afternoon or a, or a Sunday afternoon, what it makes to people working in the local shops and factories on a Monday morning. And any any owner that does that for those reasons, I've got nothing but huge respect for them. Brilliant. Um, Kieran, it's been absolutely shit scary and mind-blowing at the same time to listen to your opinions on all of this. Thank you so much for coming on and giving up your time. Um, can you just give us a quick plug for your Twitter one more time because I'd wholeheartedly recommended giving you a follow. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm at Kieran Maguire, but if you if you type in Price of Football on Twitter, I, that normally comes up and priceoffootball.com is, is the blog, which I'm... I'm actually writing a book on football finance at present. I have to have it with the publisher by Friday night and I've still got to write 5,000 words. So I won't, I'm not updating the blog this week, but I'll be <laughs> back to business soon. In which case, thanks even more. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.